You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. On today's show, we're going to look at some of the questions that we didn't get to in the last podcast. Uh, We're going to take a look at the upcoming game against the Calgary Flames and some lineup issues. And we're going to be taking a look at the World Juniors with Canada underway in Vancouver and Victoria. All right, so to start off today's show, we're going to talk Christmas. Uh, Coming out of the Christmas break, we had no podcast last week. Things were super busy for us uh, at work and kind of getting ready for the 25th. And I was kind of under the weather and different things going on. Uh, How was your uh, Christmas, Kyle? Did you get in a bunch of Jet stuff? Well, I saw each each other a lot. Yeah, we did. Uh, Considering we're brothers, yes. Um, It it was very busy for me. Um, I actually had five straight days of Christmases uh, between extended family, uh, my wife's family, immediate family, all that sort of thing. Uh, from the 22nd to the 26th, I had gatherings every single day. So it was a lot of turkey, uh, a lot of candy, a lot of gifts, but a ton of fun. Uh, I look forward to it every single year. I did get some great Jets stuff. Um, I got a Winnipeg Jets hat. Um, I got some old school Winnipeg Jets uh, mitts as well with the old school um, Winnipeg Jets 1.0 logo. Uh, just little things like that. Uh, we actually traded some hockey cards as well. We might dive into that a little bit later on in the show, but it's just a great time all around. Yeah, uh, for me, a few Jets things, uh, most notably a Jets hat as well, uh, and some Jets hockey cards. Like you kind of just mentioned, uh, we bought one of those tins. Uh, Yes, we still collect hockey cards. Probably not much of a surprise being hockey fans, having our own hockey podcast. Not much of a surprise that we still collect hockey cards. I think I've got a, oh, you got some really nice ones in your pack, but we kind of did those pack wars. I don't know if you've heard about these before, but basically there's a set of rules and you open up packs at the same time and then you get points uh, based on the cards that you have opened and that you've received. Uh, Kyle winning, so he got some uh, bonus bonus packs and some bonus things uh, from when we played. But I think I had a Tyler Myers and a Toby Enstrom. Uh, nothing super special, just base set from the 2015-16 year. And for you? Yeah, and we're trading that year. We want to line a rookie card. It was kind of our goal, and that's the reason why we're going with that year. Uh, I believe Kyle Connor was classified as a rookie that year as well, even though he kind of burst onto the scene uh, the next season after that. Um, but interesting thing as well, Josh Morris, he was in his rookie year too. Um, one of my prized possessions of the day was uh, pulling a, a portraits card. So essentially, instead of a view of the whole player, it's essentially just their face uh, with a little bit of an extra... Yeah, it's a separate series from the base card. Yeah, exactly. So a little bit fancier, uh, Josh Josh Morrissey card. It's actually a, a, a rookie card, portraits card. It's a little bit uh, fancy one there. That was kind of my prized possession. And of there's the day. also a Josh Morrissey Young Guns. Yeah, and so got two Josh Morrissey cards. I think I should maybe uh, start collecting more and more Josh Morrissey cards. A great guy to collect. Um, but regardless, hockey cards is a ton of fun. Uh, something that we've been into for a long time. Um, if you have any uh, tidbits or things, let us know on uh, on Twitter. You can always ask us questions or give us your thoughts on hockey cards or things like that too. Yeah, so we can definitely talk more on hockey cards as we move along, and we probably will. Now, last episode, we it was a fan request episode. So basically, the entire show, we just looked at different questions uh, that fans submitted through Twitter. Now, some questions came in after we'd already recorded the podcast, so we weren't able to cover them in last the last show. So we kind of want to go over those right now. This one coming in from Morgan. Um, basically, Morgan's saying, uh, our fans... Are they happy now that management stuck with their ideas and focus and never wavered? Do they feel shame like Denny Lemieux? And also why fans yell shoot on the power play professional hockey players when I see half of them at the ice plex and they can't even raise. I'm not sure if there's more to this. That's all I got here from. uh... Oh, hold on. There's more. Yeah, that's it. So that's coming from Morgan. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, that's a loaded question. Let's There's start a lot with the first in that. one there. 
Uh, are the Jets fans happy now the management stuck to their ideas and focus and never wavered? They're as in the management's own ideas. Yes. Um, yes. So this is an interesting one because a lot of fans got antsy uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. From the very beginning, they've been preaching the the draft and develop, the, the patience idea. Uh, that was fine and dandy for the first two or three seasons. But once you had that first playoff not a playoff run because you lose in four straight games. But once you visit the playoffs once, there was a, there was that expectation from fans that, okay, it's time to turn the corner and start competing. And, and then for a couple seasons after that, there wasn't that. So there was the fans starting to get antsy and that sort of thing. But I think just with the team now and the, the being near the top of the standings or top in the Western Conference right now, there are those expectations coming up again, and I don't think anybody would disagree with the, what the management has done. You could argue about individual decisions, such as trading away certain players, acquiring certain players. Those could be debated, but I think the overall management structure and idea has worked very well from what they envisioned when the Winnipeg Jets came back. I'm a big believer in the ends justify the means. I think fans are happy now that they're winning, and I think a lot of fans just in general are very fickle. When things aren't going well, management's the worst when things are going well, management's the best. And so I think right now f- fans are kind of on board. I, you're right. I was still, I was, I feel like I was fairly patient. And maybe listeners who've been with the podcast for a while would maybe disagree. Uh, but I've been a big believer in the draft and develop model. And we've seen in years past, and we've talked about it on the show, that just because you get one year in the playoffs doesn't mean you're there for years down the road, especially if you just barely squeak into the playoffs. But I think the way the Jets have made the playoffs recently is a sustainable model. They're near the top of the league. They've got young players. There's a clear trajectory right now for the Winnipeg Jets to do this repeatedly. And so I think they're in a good place right now. And so I think, uh, yeah, ends justify the means of how they got there and the the patience and the pain that was suffered along the way. Uh, As far as fans yelling shoot on the power play professional hockey players, uh, I am also a big believer that that is dumb. Don't yell shoot. Fan, like players, I remember. I remember there's this PSA. I think it was an Edmonton other player who did it. Maybe it was even Andrew Ferentz a number of years ago. And it was basically a, a satire to the fans. Thank you for reminding us to shoot. I had no idea that's what I was supposed to do on the power play. Sometimes you just forget. No, of course. Players know to shoot the puck. That's what they're pr- like. I, I don't even want to get into it. But I just hate it when fans yell shoot. Players are trying to shoot. There's not necessarily a good shooting lane. They don't necessarily have people in front to get a rebound. They're not in a good area. The goaltenders sees it clearly. There's so many different factors. Don't yell shoot. They know that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I saw a funny post uh talking about how one guy was going to start yelling pass on the power play instead of shoot on the power play just uh, for that little fun because everybody does yell shoot, that sort of thing. Um, But exactly like you said, the guys on the ice know better than the guys in the stands. Um, One thing that a lot of people forget about is the shooting angles and and the lanes of people blocking shots. Uh, Specifically on the power play, everybody says blast shots. And and you do want to get shots on the power play. I, I don't disagree with that. But a lot of times... You need to work the puck around to get an open lane or else you're just going to blast it into a guy's skates, a guy's shin pads. It's going to likely bounce out of your zone. You lose possession anyways. There's no point to that. Um, The one thing I would maybe mention is that a lot of times teams can try to get a little bit too cute with their plays and sometimes it would serve them better to just throw the puck on the net. I would agree with that because I think sometimes the Winnipeg Jets, specifically some of those playmakers, guys like Blake Wheeler, uh, those types of guys like to make the play 
look nice and they prefer to pass a puck rather than just getting it on the net and creating a chance. And in the few games leading up to Christmas, there was quite a few opportunities that the Jets kind of wasted because they were trying to make the extra pass for a tap-in and it would just hop over a stick or as a stick check or something like that when you could have just got a guaranteed shot on goal. And it's also a way for fans to voice displeasure of a poor functioning power play that is getting too cute. And so I understand that it's not necessarily... It's kind of also to kind of like rib the power play that, look, you're not getting any shots, like, just shoot the puck already. It's kind of like a little bit of a dig at your own team. I'm And I've felt that frustration when watching, like, just shoot the puck already. But I'm just not a fan of actually saying it out loud, in my opinion. Okay, uh, so moving on from that one. Any, yeah, was there a third uh, part to that uh, uh, question? No, I think that was all kind of kind of just the two. Uh, is Paul Maurice the coach that can lead the Jets to a Stanley Cup victory? And this is coming from Spin-O-Hockey. At Spin O Hockey, is Paul Maurice the coach that can lead the Jets to a Stanley Cup victory? That's a big question. Yes. All right, you heard it here first. Kyle said yes. Why? I don't know. Uh, I, I personally like Paul Maurice. Uh, a lot of people do not. It all depends on on what you think about the role of coaching in today's game. Um, a lot of people historically have said the Jets are winning in spite of Paul Maurice, um, that he's not a good coach. A lot of people think he's a great coach. I don't know if a coach will make or break winning the Stanley Cup. I, I truly don't think it matters as much as a lot of people think. You can second guess the coaching decisions, the deployment, that sort of thing. But in the end, and we've said this before, the players have to go out and win the game. Yes, you can implement certain strategies. Can you implement the wrong strategies? Yes, guaranteed, you can. But I think Paul Maurice is a good enough coach that he'll be totally fine. He's not going to be a negative impact with those strategies. They're at the top of their conference for a reason. And I think Paul Maurice is one of those reasons. So I think when you get to the playoffs, they showed last year they can win in the playoffs. I don't think it has anything to do with Paul Maurice, whether or not they actually win or lose come playoff time. So you think they'll be able to win a cup with Paul Maurice? I'm not. Like, I'm so not saying they will win a cup with Paul Maurice as their head coach. I'm saying they have the opportunity. He's not going to make them lose the Stanley Cup. So you're not regardless saying they need to trade. They need to get a new coach before they can win a Stanley no, Cup. No, regardless of who the coach is, the Jets are capable of winning a Stanley Cup. I don't care who you stick up behind the bench for the Jets. I think they can win the Stanley Cup regardless of who's their coach. You pick any one of the coaches across the league, stick them behind the Winnipeg Jets bench. I think they could win a cup. I don't think they will necessarily win one because the NHL is a fickle thing, right? One team wins out of 31 teams every single year. What are the chances you're going to win it? Not very good, regardless of who your coach is, regardless of if you have the best players in the world. A lot of it is just pure dumb luck when it comes to playoffs. So that being said, I think Paul Maurice can do it. I don't think it matters as much as a lot of people think. All right, so that's uh, a tough one. I'm kind of on the on the side of Paul Maurice as well. I am a fan, and so and I'm not a huge fan. There's different levels of fandom when it comes to Paul Maurice. I am not opposed to him right now, and I definitely think that the Jets don't need to get rid of him. He's doing nothing wrong, in my opinion, that would warrant a firing. Do I agree with all of his deployment options and strategies? 
Not necessarily. We might get into some of those a little bit later on in the show. Uh, one other question we kind of want to get to you before, and this one's a loaded question here from the Jets-centric podcast. Uh, thanks for listening in to ours as well. Uh, a bunch of Jets podcasts out there. We want us to support all of them if you're looking for a good Jets fix. Uh, potential lockout ramifications on the cap, buyouts, and Seattle expansion. So kind of three in one. Potential lockout ramifications on the cap, buyouts, and Seattle expansion. Your thoughts on that? Or do we want to maybe come back to this one, do some research, and come back? Well, we can unpack a little bit of it. Um, as far as lockouts, I'm assuming meaning in a couple years down the road when there's supposed to be no CBA anymore. Uh, I'm assuming what the deal is. Because um, right now, a lot of players are kind of putting it in their contracts to have bonuses that year so that if there is a lockout, the players are still getting paid and then there's no, um, the players are still getting paid even if there's a lockout. And right. so there's kind of like buyout or like a lockout protection for some of the elite players who've thought ahead like that. Right. So they're still going to get paid regardless. I don't really know how that's going to affect the cap in that year. Um, specifically, if there's no season at all, obviously there's just no hockey. And that's one thing. It'll be different if there's a lockout shortened season and how they circumvent that with the cap rules. Obviously, you're not going to be able to spend the same amount. And then the cap hits are different. And then you get into the, are you adding pieces? Are you removing pieces halfway through the season? How does that impact the cap? That's so many ifs, ands, or buts, I think, down the road that you kind of cross that because it's you... not for next season; it'd be for the year after. Yeah, correct? so that's so far in advance. It's so hard to kind of project that, especially with looking at the contract situations and how that's all going to work out. And plus, when it comes to Seattle uh, expansion, because Seattle is going to be in for the twenty one twenty two season, correct? And it's the twenty twenty one season. The year before, that's potential lockout. And so they didn't want Seattle coming in to a potential lockout situation, which is why I heard or speculation was that they postponed it one more year for the induction of Seattle. I think a lockout with the Seattle expansion could change things, especially with whenever there's a lockout, there's a lot of like reshuffling and there's a lot of changes. I really don't know at this point. I think there's a lot of speculation what, okay, maybe let's change the question to this. What would you want to see changed as far as contracts are concerned? Contracts, cap, buyout, everything. If you were to have a lockout, what would you want to see? In terms of what? In, ter in terms of what would you want changes to be made? What kind of changes would you personally want to see made? As far as maybe when players can get restricted free, uh, become restricted free agents, di different rules and things, whether fictitious, whether they're likelihood or not, what would you like to see? Well, I, I personally don't think the system is, is broken maybe right now. I think it's fine, the system we have. I, I don't think there's any real issues. A lot of people say you should make buyouts or not buyouts. A lot of people say you can make offer sheets easier um, so that there's more of them. I don't think you really need that. Um, I think you see a lot of teams get bitten by bad contracts. Um, you can maybe have that sort of look at that bad contracts of getting rid of some or lessening the penalty of buyouts, that sort of thing. I don't know. Um, I, I've heard a few interesting I think, ideas. I think one of these was actually from our fearless leader at Jets Nation, uh, Art, but he talked about maybe having something where a portion of your players that you draft, maybe 30% of their salaries don't count towards the cap. So that if you're retaining your own draftees, 
you get kind of a, a cap break sort of deal to incentivize signing and developing your own players rather than just getting out people in the free agent market. And I know Art mentioned that. I know there's a few other guys who mentioned that. Well, I went into greater detail, that sort of thing. Um, but just some interesting ideas That's thrown out there. That's an interesting idea. I've of, never heard that one of before. Of different ideas that could work. Um, there are some issues with that as well. Obviously, there's issues with all of these things. That's why they have these lockouts potentially. Um, but one thing I'm looking at is kind of the whole salary cap. And I, it can't just keep going up forever. Um, or maybe it can I don't really know, but that's one thing that's interesting to me. Uh, we saw the the NBA salary cap just absolutely skyrocket with a few new TV deals a couple of years ago. Uh, the NHL, not so much. So their revenue staying relatively flat, but they're trying to increase the, the pay towards the players. The players just end up giving even more of it back in forms of escrow. So I would like to see that situation maybe lessened or, or fixed a little bit, but there's no good way to do that either. I just don't want to see another lockout. That is just so dumb. Like, they should be able to figure something out to not have to go that far and have a lockout. I think as far as contracts are go- are concerned, I think that no movement clauses should be a thing of the past. They are dumb, and they're a pain in the butt for the casual fan and for teams in general. They sign these no movement clauses... And then teams have a hard time getting out of these bad contracts. They're trying to move a player later on in his career. And I understand why players want them. I completely do. But I wish it wasn't a thing because it causes so many problems when trying to move your you, uh, develop your team in the future. And it really hinders a lot of teams that sign them in the moment and then have problems with them later. And again, it just comes down to... The league and the GMs want rules to protect themselves from themselves. GMs get crazy when it comes to spending money and signing players. GMs just keep paying more for players. The prices just keep going up. There's never any checks that really get put in place to kind of protect themselves from themselves. Well, and I think that's the issue. It is, what do you want to do with this next CBA? Well, everybody has to sign it. So, like you said, you have to save the GMs from themselves. Every year, there's bad contracts being signed. Constantly. Every single year, there's contracts that players We talk about them on this show. The contracts that are signed that are going to be regretted in a year. And they often sometimes are that season. And there's some really good... uh, I know there's a, a few... Um, social media accounts, a couple on Twitter, just all that looks at is the bad contracts or the bad situations for every team. So you can see their their every team's buyouts. You can see every team's um, long-term injured reserve, essentially all the wasted money. And it's tens of millions of dollars every single year the teams waste. And yeah, you can't forecast some long-term injuries. They are what they are. But a lot of these buyout situations you could avoid. The Winnipeg Jets buying out Mark Stewart. Could they have avoided that years ago? Well, yeah, definitely. You see all these aging players. As Steve a, Mason. As the league is trending towards a younger and younger league, that all these old players don't really have a contract anymore, but some of them still get those contracts. Two years in, it's a bad deal. Well, now what? So it's all depending on what your philosophy is on what you want. Do you care that some GMs screw up their team? Well, maybe... And maybe you want it more fair towards the GMs to save them from themselves, like you said. Or maybe you want the opposite. If you're a bad GM, penalize that GM as much as possible to make it even tougher for him to to not reward that mismanagement. So that's kind of the two philosophies. Maybe that's maybe that's what you need. More of a more hard, more hard cap and more penalty. That instead of a buyout of a player, instead of a player having to you get what? 
I think you spread out the contract. The salary uh, gets for twice as long as the term is, and then but it, the cap it, penalty is yeah, reduced. It's less. Maybe the cap penalty should just be you have to pay that entire player's salary, and it counts one hundred percent on the cap. No more buyouts. No more buyouts. Maybe then teams will think hard and fast. But then the question then becomes: Are we going to see more holdouts? Are we going to see more players holding out when it comes to contract negotiations? And so, like, you definitely, you win some and you lose some when you put rules like that in place because GMs are going to be like, well, hey, I can't buy you out if this goes south, so we're not going to offer you that much money. And no team is going to do it. And I don't know. I'm not a big fan of protecting GMs from themselves. I think they should figure it out themselves and not give up bad contracts. I've been a big believer of what the Jets have done so far, save for, again, Steve Mason, who they had to trade away to get his cap off the books. But for the most part, they haven't signed too many bad contracts yet. We haven't seen that many. Other than the buyout, I think, of Mark Stewart. That's the only buyout that the Winnipeg Jets have done. They were able to trade away Steve Mason. Is Kulikov a little bit of a penalty right now? Like a little bit, but again, you're still getting some production out of him compared to nothing. And this is projecting it now. What happens if three years down the road, Brian Little can hardly skate? Well, exactly. And he's still got right? two years and left beyond that. And what about Dustin Bufflin? He's holding up great now. What about three years down the road? What about Blake Wheeler's extension? We've talked about that before. Is Blake Wheeler's a bad contract? Well, it might become one. Right. And so right now it doesn't appear like that, but again, still lots of hockey to be played and who knows what's still going to happen. And so I hope we've answered this question to the to your satisfaction. Not quite sure how much we touched on it. I know we've talked a little bit about Seattle expansion in the past, how that could affect Winnipeg Jets, but I think we're going to move on from here. Also, as far as uh, Twitter mentions go, shout out to Jay Berkowitz from uh, Florida. Uh, listening for today's show uh, or listening to the podcast. Uh, really appreciate all the listeners listening from all across North America. All right, so quickly in segment number two, we're going to take a look at the Jets game tonight, taking on the Calgary Flames. Uh, just seeing the lineups here uh, that were posted online Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, Little, Line. Those ones basically staying the same. Perot, Lowry, Tanev. We've seen a lot of that lately. Kopp, Roslevic, and Appleton. So Patan and Lemieux in the press box for tonight. Your thoughts of the front up Yeah, front so the, the top six is exactly the same. The only thing different in the bottom six, if you remember back to those games before Christmas, no Lowry, no Kopp. So those are the big changes uh, in the games coming up. Hopefully tonight we get to see Adam Lowry. Uh, Andrew Kopp, as we all know, suffering from concussion symptoms uh, for the last several weeks. He might be back tonight, might not. Uh, there's speculation this morning that even with a morning skate, they would like to get a couple practices with him, getting some real contact in before they get him in the game. That being said, did take the morning skate. Might be playing tonight. We will have to wait and see if he actually is in the lineup or not. But it looks to be, uh, instead of like the TLC line that we've seen for a majority of the last several seasons, it uh, could be Perot with Lowry and Tanev. And then the fourth line, like you said, Kopp, Roslevic, and Appleton. Another interesting thing, Appleton, essentially, well, he started the season with the Moose. A lot of people thought he might make the Jets. <coughs> he didn't. And Lemieux and Patan have been ahead of Appleton until the last week or two. So now Appleton has maybe surpassed four or five guys on the depth chart that people didn't expect him to. Uh, so those are kind of what's going on in the bottom six right now for the Jets. Now taking a look at the defense, Morrissey, Truba, Sherratt, Bufflin, Kulikov, Myers. I think we're finally back to what we expected at the start of the season or at least something very close to. 
yeah, Joe Morrow uh, and Dmitry Kulikov kind of rotating in and out depending on health, injuries, that sort of thing. Uh, but it looks like Kulikov and Myers kind of been rocking that third pairing for uh, quite a few games now. Kulikov actually looking quite good after coming back after the a little bit of a break to start the season. Yeah, the Winnipeg Jets uh, closing out that road trip with a couple of wins. Uh, I think the final game beating Vancouver, that one nothing game right before Christmas. Uh, even though they haven't had some of the prettiest wins lately, they've had some overtime wins, a little bit of a road trip. Uh, and some people and people have talked about are the Winnipeg Jets uh, as good as they look, or like are they can they play better? I think what we've seen to start the year, the Jets weren't playing their best. But they've slowly been getting better. Some of the other teams around them have maybe fallen back a little bit. But the Jets right now, top of the Central and near the top and the top one of the top teams in the West right now. I feel that the Winnipeg Jets are playing good enough to be where they are. And I think there is another gear. But what I think people forget is that last year, playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. Last year, the Jets won two rounds in the playoffs. They were in the Western Conference Final against Vegas they made it far and playoff hockey is different when you see the intensity and the speed and the just everything that goes into playoff hockey it's different than the regular season so a lot of people thinking oh they've taken a big step back it's not the same well yeah because the intensity is not the same as it is in the playoffs would you agree with that statement or no I would agree um I think the well the Winnipeg Jets are first in the west yeah so they are good they have been playing good it's not that they aren't as good as last season Nashville has not looked as good as last season, and maybe that's where the difference is here. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets finishing second overall in the league last year. Um, now the, I believe they're tied for second in the league so far. So they're actually very similar to where they were last year. I think they're actually slightly ahead points-wise based on based, where based they on last were last season. year. La- yes. yeah. uh, but same as in ranked in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, like you said, it is different to come playoff hockey. But if you look at some of the um, behind-the-scenes numbers, the Winnipeg Jets are not quite as strong as they were last year in a lot of the advanced stats, talking about uh, expected goals, that sort of thing. Not quite as strong as last year. I think I believe at 5-on-5, five five, they're actually below the 50% threshold for expected goals percentage. So more often than not, you should expect the Winnipeg Jets to be slightly outscored at 5-on-5. Five five. So that's not quite up to where they were last year. But regardless, when you have an absolutely elite level power play, you can get away with being even at 5-on-5 because you're always going to win the special teams battle. Right, and because the Jets' power play has gotten better. And overall, I think, from what I've been hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, just in general, league save percentage is down this year compared to last. Yeah, so it's interesting. Goals are almost always up at the start of the season, and they almost always regress. This time they haven't quite regressed as much as they have in previous seasons. Uh, you could argue that's because of the... the um, equipment changing for the goalies, a little bit different gloves, a little bit different uh, tighter jerseys, that sort of thing. It has created more goals. And and you've, we've seen, especially early on, Hellebuck fighting the puck, we say. A lot of it could have been just where his glove normally is. It's not there. And the puck goes in the net. So a lot of these goals, goalies are used to saving these shots. They just somehow get beat because it squeaks through their sides a pocket that wasn't there a year ago. So I think that maybe has a little bit to do with it. Uh, but for the Winnipeg Jets, they're playing good enough to win. And as long as you're second in the league, I don't think there's really much to worry about. 
No, I'm not worried either. And last year they won close games. They won <laughs> games in overtime. This year they've won close games, win games in overtime. And you need to do that if you want to be an elite team. You need to win some close games. You need to pull a few out. And yeah, you can have some blowout wins along the way, but not everyone's going to be a 5 nothing romp. And so I think I don't I'm not worried at all where they are right now, basically locked in for a playoff spot. Obviously nothing's guaranteed, but I don't think the wheels are going to fall off that much. They've had some injuries, nothing too major. But again, I think that Brassois has been a breath of fresh air this year. It's nice to see him uh, picking up some wins. Hellebuck maybe not quite where he was last year, but when your backup's playing better than last year's backup, uh, there's definitely some balance there. And so that's why the Jets are still in the same spot. Last but not least, we want to quickly touch on World Juniors. I know Kyle's got to get back to work. All right, so last nothing last night, 14 nothing romp over Denmark. Bob McKenzie made a great statement before the show that this game can raise a lot of questions, but it can't really answer a lot of questions. And, and so I don't know if you understand what he's saying there, but basically summarizing is that if the if the Canada plays good, then that's just what's expected. It doesn't really answer any of the questions about this team because they're expected to pound Denmark. But if they play poorly, it raises a lot of questions and there can be a lot of red flags and people start to get concerned. I think there's really not a lot of concerns after last night's victory. No, I totally agree. It is what you kind of expected. You don't expect a 14 nothing win, but you expect a relatively easy victory. Uh, it started early. And it came often, and the Winnipeg Jets just kept scoring, kept scoring. You mean they did, Team Canada? Yeah, and they did it a lot of different ways, which was nice, because a lot of times you, you see a team score the same way, potentially. It wasn't just the power play scoring. It wasn't just jam plays and rebounds in front of the net. It was, uh, I like the first goal where you're kind of making a, a play at the blue line, a guy left alone in front makes a nice little deke, and you beat them a clean off a couple shots. You, you beat them on the power play. All these different sorts off of ways. Off the rush. Yeah, there's all these different sorts of goals. Not many all-man rushes, um, but regardless, I think it's exactly what you needed if you're Team Canada. Yeah, you saw some speed. You saw some skill. There's some offensive punch there. Di Pietro played well in net, not facing a lot of shots, and that's tough when you're not very busy. I think it was a good overall performance. Gives me a lot of confidence moving forward. It's when you're expected to win and you do. To me, that's a confidence booster. Even though... Like when you're expected to blow out a team, if you win two nothing or three nothing, it can kind of make people nervous. But I think here it's kind of a confidence boost heading into Switzerland, a game that should be a win. I'm hoping for a closer game, uh, game time tonight, seven o'clock. Yeah, people are projecting it to be a little bit closer than Denmark. It shouldn't be horrendously close if you're um, Team Canada, but you never know, right? And and that's the crazy thing about hockey. You can play Denmark and win fourteen nothing. If you played Denmark again. Would it end up four nothing, four one, something like that? Probably it, it not, very well could. But, yeah. Probably not, but it could. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and you never know what can happen, especially at these World Junior tournaments. These are young kids that are playing, and we've seen a lot of crazy finishes in this tournament for that very reason that you never really know what's going to happen. I personally hope that it's going to be a close game against Switzerland just for the fact that it gives Canada a little bit of pressure and they have a little bit of competition that they have to work through opposed to basically just having the win given to them like it was against Denmark because I know Czech Republic's coming up. That's not going to be a huge test either. A little bit more. Don't get me wrong. Czech Republic can be competitive, but then the real test against Russia before the playoffs get underway. Yeah, exactly. And turning our, our sights to the Winnipeg Jets prospects in this tournament as well, a little bit of news in regards to them. Uh, we have a couple previews 
up at Jets Nation. You can check those out. Uh, but for those of you who didn't read those, the Winnipeg Jets have three prospects um, for, at the World Juniors this year. Uh, one returnee, that is Dylan Sandberg for the United States, played last year, played a lot of minutes for the USA. Uh, they have um, David Gustafson, Winnipeg's first pick in this past draft. He was the second round pick because Winnipeg Jets did not have their first round pick, um, but he was their first pick of this last draft. And then uh, Santeri, I thought it was Vertanen, similar to Jake Vertanen. It's actually Vertanen is how they're pronouncing it. Um, I guess no relation there. Um, but regardless, he plays for the Finns. Um, both Gustafson and Vertanen expected to be about a third or fourth line, kind of a bottom six role. Uh, Sandberg supposed to play fairly heavy minutes on defense for the state. So a lot of good Jets prospects. If you turn on the TV and you don't see Team Canada, don't be worried because there's probably one of those other teams playing that you can check out and uh, watch those guys as well. So here's a big question tonight. Which game are you watching, Jets or Team Canada? Because they both start at 7. Yeah, so that's the issue here. I'm going to be flipping back and forth probably most of the night. I'm probably going to start with Team Canada. I'm hoping that they get up a little bit early, score a couple early goals, and then I can flip over to the Jets game, maybe watch some of that. I'll kind of go back and forth uh, to see what's going on in both. Hopefully I can catch both. See, the tough part is for me, I don't get TSN 1, 2, 4, or 5. I only get TSN 3, so I get the Jets game. I don't get the Team Canada game, so I might pull it up on my laptop and so I can have both screens going at the same time. Guess we'll have to wait and see. I might figure out my cable issues but again, that's my business and none of yours listening. Unless, of course, you want to give me a free channel somehow and you're a fan of the show. Anyways, no. Uh, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, hopefully we answered some more of those questions. If you ever have anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter at Jets Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.